Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Good morning, Simon. How's it going over in the UK? It is fantastic. We, uh, we've got a bit of uh, respite from the heat today, actually. We're not used to having these um, these temperatures in the high 30s um, like you have over in Portugal. So everyone's been sweltering, but that means everyone's been out on the water. And uh, this week I had the, uh, the chance and the opportunity to uh, meet with a, a very special guy who's doing a very special challenge. Jordan Wiley, he's paddling around the United Kingdom. That's quite a quite an achievement. It is, and he had a tough first few days. Uh, but yeah, paddling around uh, the um, around Great Britain, it would be an amazing achievement if he's done it, and he's making huge progress. And um, I just happened to be uh, dipping into Paddle Logger and, and his website when uh, I saw that he was just passing my local beach. So I quickly threw some uh, a, a t-shirt on, streaked out of the house, not literally streaked, but I ran out of the house with my flip-flops on. I missed him on my beach. So I did a two-mile run in order to catch up with him uh, in my flip-flops and uh, finally managed to get a picture with him and, and a quick chat as well. So uh, we narrowly missed getting him on the pod at just before he set off, but um, we will get him on at some point soon. So, uh, but it was great to catch up with him. He's continued his progress and um, making his way along the south coast of Britain, which you know is quite remarkable. Yeah, it seems like the hardest is yet to come. There, I would imagine, as he goes into winter and gets further north up into Scotland, that must going to be a really, really tricky circumnavigating around the Hebrides and up there. But all the best of luck to him, and um, it's going to—it's exciting following him online. Another adventurer that. Um, We've had the pleasure of speaking with in the past, actually, is Spike Reed. And now, Spike, I'm not sure if it's the longest in the in um, in the world, his paddle board or down the Ganges, but 3,000 miles certainly is a long stretch. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I think uh, there's uh, yeah, there's a few uh, records out there, but uh, yeah, paddling. Um, uh, an amazing river like that was was quite something. Yeah, and he ran into a lot of interesting hassles, which we talk about, and um, a lot of pre-adventure planning, preparation tips. And uh, Spike, uh, Spike is such an engaging character. It's amazing. And he's got such an, a varied life. It's fascinating to chat to him. He's done so many incredible things. But um, let's hear all about his River Ganges. So, Spike Reed, thank you so much for joining us again on the Sup FM podcast. It's so nice because we had you back in 2015. What's been going on in the last five years, mate? Uh, I've been getting up to adventures uh, close to home and further away, uh, both on dry land, uh, the slightly less exciting terra firma, and also uh, some amazing paddleboard trips. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can dig into that in this episode. But I'm just looking at your Instagram and you've been eye to eye with an elephant. You've ridden your bike through the Arctic Circle. You've paddleboarded across countries, including Portugal and the UK. You've driven around the world in a Land Rover, fought polar bears, been a founder member of Project Awesome, Say Yes More, and so many other things. So thanks so much for coming on again. But the last time we um, had you on was obviously back in 2015 when you just crossed the UK by paddleboard. Can you give us a quick background of your adventure career uh, so i or did uh, i just do that <laughs> well that, that, that's some, some of the bits i i 
was uh, an early member of Project Awesome and, and Say Yes More. Uh, and uh, they have inspired me since I've been in, living in London. But uh, before that, I was at university up in Newcastle. And I was a member of the Officer Training Corps, which is basically the reserve army for students. And uh, through that, I did uh, adventurous training in the Yukon in Canada, in Kenya, and uh, in the Alps and the Pico de Europa in northern Spain. Uh, then after that, I moved to uh, London. And I, I, me and two friends won a bursary sponsored by the Royal Geographical Society uh, because our expedition idea was somehow the best that year. And, and we then drove around the world along the line of 50 degrees north in a Land Rover Defender who also sponsored the expedition. And Actually, can I just stop you there? Because while you're on that expedition, you've recently written a story all about it. And um, I just bought that book the other day, which is fantastic. So tell us a little quickly just a bit about that book, would you? Yeah, so this book is called The Biggest Book of Yes. It's about saying yes to adventures. And that's not just travel adventures. Some of them are setting up a business or dealing with uh, challenges close to home. And uh, I wrote uh, a part of that. I'm the co-author. And there's 48 other uh, awesome authors. Uh, who've written a bit about saying why they said yes to something and how it changed their life. And I wrote about uh, driving around the world. And my my chapter is called The Curious Incident of the AK-47 in the Nighttime. And uh, if you would Good like chunk. to pick that up, you can, you can get that on Amazon right now. Just search for The Biggest Book of Yes. And if you'd like, I can sign it for you sometime. Oh, that'd be lovely. You, can, you can't sign the Kindle version, though, can you? That's a bit sad. Uh, I can I can write on your Kindle, but probably wouldn't look too good when you looked at other books then. <laughs> well, I'll drop a link into the show notes where you can get it on Kindle or in real version. So yeah, That'd sorry to interrupt your adventure career. Uh, so yeah, I, I then uh, worked at the uh, Royal Geographical Society uh, for th over three years and um, learned a lot about what the society does it, it, in London and globally. And that inspired me to then after uh, finishing there to get trained up as an international mountain leader, uh, which is a, a qualification to take people uh, a long way from the beaten track, trekking in the mountains and uh, and the valleys between them. And now I've, I'm a tour leader taking groups overseas, usually a long way uh, yeah, from the beaten track, uh, in addition to my personal expeditions. So would you call that your job essentially as, as a tour guide? Um, or a tour leader yeah so that's that's one of my jobs um i've i've got a few things i've been doing a bit of design and a bit of writing and a little bit of photography uh on top of the public speaking and leading tours mm -hmm. uh, i'd love to dig into your, dig deep into your first time on a paddleboard um can you remember all the vivid details of that moment yeah so it was a bright beautiful day in reading uh it's hard to believe reading being beautiful uh for anyone any of the listeners who've been to Reading in England, but um, someone uh, had mentioned through the Yes Tribe, uh, which is a community, it's a global community, you can check it out, uh, called the Yes Tribe, and they said they wanted help getting down the River Thames. They started the journey, but hadn't been able to finish it because the Thames is quite a, a long river by English standards. So I went out and jumped onto the paddleboard, and we paddled from there two, uh, three days actually, uh, from Reading down to London. And uh, it is uh, that psychological thing I think a lot of people have when they first get onto that paddleboard, uh, the nerves, the wobble, 
but it helps if you grew up uh, near the sea and you spent a lot of time mucking around in boats and uh, and surfboards, wind surfboards and stuff like that before, which definitely helped me. But jumping onto a paddleboard on your first time and going for three days is not your normal approach, right? Normally people just jump on for 20 minutes and then jump off. Yeah, but it's such a good sport. And uh, and I was like, I, I mean, I had uh, paddled a wind surfboard uh, round when I was like 10 years old before paddleboarding really existed as a sport. Uh, but doing it for, for three days, we were going with the flow of the river. We had a bit of a tailwind. Um, so it wasn't a massive, massive distance. And uh, I'm one for, I'm a big fan of adventures in your own backyard. Yeah, and it's a wonderful concept. But, you know, you've obviously done many different types of adventures, as, you, as you've as you alluded to before. But so why use a board as the vehicle for your adventures? So paddleboarding, I think, for people who haven't tried it, is the most or at least one of the most misunderstood sports in the UK. And I think people think, believe you, you fall in a lot um, and you can go uh, for three days the first time you do it and, and not fall in you can go for three months paddleboarding and not fall in and the, the the view that you get from a paddleboard is superb you look out well, particularly on a river you look out above the banks into the field you look out into people's gardens and you just get to see so much further you get to look down into the waters and see those hazards uh, hopefully before that fin makes contact and throws you in and also you use so many of your uh, muscles you get a full body workout rather than uh far more upper body which, which as is the case with kayaking and canoeing yeah so it's great for fitness and obviously as you said just looking out over the over the view it's a perfect vantage point to to cruise through places but if can we just list all all the sub adventures that you've done i know that you've been around martinique in um in the caribbean should we just try and list yeah. some of the major adventures that you've been on so uh, I did go around Martinique uh, in the Caribbean with Dave Cornthwaite and, and, and three others. It's the first time it had been done by stand-up paddleboard. Uh, there's a reason because the waves were so big, no one would be stupid enough to do that before us. And I paddleboarded across <laughs> England uh, from Bristol to London. And also I have paddleboarded along Martinique and I did that with uh, a great couple of guys including including Unic uh, was one of my ace teammates on that trip you mean the Algarve yes sorry what did I say you said Martinique oh Martinique sorry yeah I did the south coast of Portugal uh, with with Nick uh, and that was an amazing yeah. <laughs> week journey I'm just getting confused by my own geography now um, and... <laughs> that, that was good fun it was really amazing yeah, I loved it so much one of the highlights of my life Spike I, I loved it, man. It was a happy, happy memory to that trip. Uh, I've also paddleboarded down the River Shannon, uh, which is the longest river in the UK and Ireland. And we did that as a training mission uh, for paddleboarding the entire length of the River Ganges in India, from the high Himalayas all the way down to uh, the Indian Ocean uh, over three months. And most of my other adventures by paddleboard have been smaller stuff closer to home but still little adventures like the royal military canal and uh the river medway and the river i love little uh journeys understanding more about the rivers close to home yeah i think it's a wonderful philosophy of trying to adventure close to home isn't it because there's so much around us that we don't actually even really appreciate properly absolutely true that mm -hmm. so now let's dig into the ganges trip because there's two trips within the ganges expedition was there a moment 
in a pub somewhere where you sipped on your drink and said, hmm, yeah, let's paddle the Ganges? Uh, it was actually uh, in Varanasi, uh, which is, sits on the banks of the, the Ganges. And I was getting ready to lead a trip up to Bhutan. And I looked at that river and I saw the, the kind of the muddy waters meandering down. And I thought, I wonder if anyone has ever paddleboarded this river in its entirety. Uh, a little bit of research showed that no one had. And I met some people through uh, Escape the City in London and also uh, Project Awesome in London and uh, formed a, a team uh, that uh, varied in size between eight people and, and uh, ending up finishing solo. Uh, but it was um, quite an amazing journey over three months. What happened to the other seven people? Hopefully they didn't die. No, no one died, thank goodness. Uh, some people uh, just came to do sections because they had uh, requirements, uh, bit work and things elsewhere. Uh, some people, I don't think, uh, had the desire to, to do the whole journey. And uh, then they had there was uh, the challenges of the, the expedition uh, and two people who were planning to come with me to the end, unfortunately said, uh, now I'm going to call it a day here. Um, and, and they left two-thirds of the way through. And uh, at the very end in Calcutta, uh, we still had uh, two and a half days of paddling to get to the sea. And people, uh, the remaining two in the team, uh, they had different priorities. Uh, and I had a work commitment back in London. Uh, so I uh, paddled on I, um, whilst they stayed to sort out some more things in Calcutta. And unfortunately, I finished solo, which wasn't ideal, but it was still uh, completed. And uh, it's a, a journey I'll never forget. Yeah, it sounds an incredible journey. I mean, three months. But the question remains, why would you want to paddle the Ganges in the first place? I mean, I've heard it's probably one of the filthiest rivers in the planet. It is indeed, uh, I believe, the uh, dirtiest, most polluted major river in the world. And I think when you uh, you understand uh, the risks, kind of a paddleboarding, you're not you're not swimming in these waters. Uh, there's thousands of, of Indians, uh, or hundreds of thousands of Indians each day come down and cleanse their sins in the River Ganges or its tributaries. To Hindu people, it is known as the River of Life, and it uh, is is treated um, it, well, it's, it's highly regarded. But unfortunately, a huge amount of pollution uh, ends up in that river, both agricultural uh chemicals um uh, and industrial waste uh human effluent untreated sewage and uh also uh there are uh, bodies uncremated bodies uh people don't have the money to afford a cremation and uh bodies are slipped into uh the river in in evenings and uh, dead bodies, which is, is tough to, to see and paddle past those on a, a daily basis. Did you paddle past dead bodies on, the, on a daily basis? We did. Uh, we, the first one we, we found, uh, we stopped on a sandbank and uh, nearby where we had stopped on, on this bank in the middle of the river, uh, we, we found a dead body. Um, and from there on, we saw them. Uh, sometimes you saw several in a day. Um, you would sometimes see them floating, sometimes on, on the banks. And that was incredibly tough the first time. And, and when you see the 50th dead body, it's still incredibly tough and something I will uh, never be able to forget. Wow, that must be really grim. Why did we choose the river? Because uh, we wanted to raise awareness for uh, this pollution. And particularly, we targeted the single-use plastic that ends up in that. Uh, river and, and other waterways around the world and then unfortunately in the in our oceans and we chose single-use plastic because it is something that is 
growing, the use of it is growing incredibly fast in India and around the world. And places that don't have uh, refuse collection like we have uh, here in Europe, um, this plastic's just thrown on the street and then um, the wind or, or the rains take it into the river. Um, and that's very saddening to see this river that is considered the, the river of life uh, ending up so, so polluted. Would you say we're winning the war on single-use plastic here in Europe? Uh, I'd say in the last two or three years, uh, people have become more aware. Um, it's a challenging year right now because uh, the amount of things that you want them wrapped up, uh, I mean, it would be very hard for a, a health service to function without single-use plastic and um, things like PPE gear that is thrown away at uh, a huge rate but that is to save lives um, so but hopefully uh, for general consumption people can understand that they should carry around a reusable bottle with them and uh, there's so many ways that we can reduce our consumption of that single use plastic and still be fit and healthy and yeah because it seems like to me i mean i think when did you do this trip on the ganges it was like three years ago wasn't it uh, yeah we finished uh, early 2017 and uh, we got some publicity uh, through the BBC, um, ITV, and it's featured in Geographical Magazine this uh, month, if you'd like to get the August issue, and uh, other sources. So hopefully people uh, seeing those uh, messages, um, including Discovery Channel India, can tune in to what the message we were trying to uh, get out there. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely in the last three years, it's become much, people have become much more aware of single-use plastic and, and changing their ways here, definitely here in Europe. I'm not sure about India. But um, Spike, could you lay out the plans for your pre-Ganges test trip in Ireland? I mean, how did that pan out? You mentioned you did an expedition on the River Shannon. Was that just to, to test the, the kit or how, how, why was that? So I think before you do a major expedition, it is worthwhile uh, testing the kit is one thing. Uh, and testing how the team works, but also how do you work? How do you work for, I was just two weeks paddling down the Shannon and um, it looked very good on the map. Uh, we thought, yep, we can paddle that river. Uh, the actual drop uh, from the lock, upper lock lake that we launched onto down to the sea is actually only 36 meters uh, over uh, um, the, the great distance to, to the ocean, uh, to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of flow in the river, but there was a headwind. And uh, anyone who's paddleboarded with a headwind will know how much I don't love them. Uh, and I can see a we lot had of a hands strong headwind <laughs> in July uh, on the nose for most of those two weeks, which uh, tested the team. But it's, I think it's right to test uh, yourself and the team before you set off to the uh, long haul or, or for a big expedition that. Um, you make sure the team can cope with that. And uh, we learned a lot on that trip. Uh, although it was, even with the headwind, uh, it was a lot easier than India. Uh, there are a lot more pubs along the water uh, than there are in India. <laughs> I can't imagine there are many pubs along the Ganges. I suppose there are different kinds of um, F&B stops. Mm, for sure. But now, Spike, when you boarded the plane for your trip to start the Ganges, what was your destination and how did you feel as you walked onto the aircraft? So... To get myself to India was relatively straightforward. To get our paddleboards to India was a feat and a half. Getting stuff shipped into or out of India is a uh, logistical nightmare. So the only way to do it was to go over to see our awesome sponsor, who uh, who was Starboard, uh, and pick up 
the paddle boards, both the white water paddle boards and the elite touring paddle boards uh, in Bangkok with Starboard. And we met with the team there uh, and had a great time uh, with them, learning about the, the company more and about the gear. And then we flew. We found an airline that would take 14 foot long paddle boards, hard boards in the hold, uh, which is uh, a challenge for anyone who's uh, tried to get uh, hard boards onto a plane. It's uh, it's quite a work. But um, when we got those paddle boards to Delhi uh, Airport, that was uh, right. Okay, this is real. This this expedition can happen now. And the excitement uh, was in the air, like the heat of Delhi in uh, shortly after monsoon. It was uh, great to finally be there and set up. So, how did you get from Delhi up to the headwaters? Uh, so. Uh, we hired a van, uh, a, a minibus, um, and we arranged, we confirmed that they could take stuff lashed to the roof, including these long things we described as surfboards. It's, it's probably a challenge. The person who'd taken the booking has probably never even seen a surfboard, let alone a paddleboard. And when the minibus turned up the morning for the long drive up to the Himalayas, it's like, no, I can't take those. And we are like, well, the booking was definitely specified that, that you could. It's like, no, sorry, that means nothing. Um, and we then had to... Uh, a, a testing morning trying to get another vehicle that would uh, take these uh, four paddle boards, uh, hard boards and the four inflatable boards uh, up to Rishikesh, which is our operating base, our, our kind of base camp um, for the start. But I'm sure you must be used to those kind of um, problems on trips. Like I mean, anything can go wrong, does go wrong. And I think it's essential. You've got your, your plan A um, and the chances for everything to go according to plan A is, is pretty unlikely. So you need more than just a plan B. I call it the alphabet soup of plans. Like those cans of uh, spaghetti alphabet. Um, imagine one of those and it's just full of all those plans. And sometimes you'll have to take a bit of plan C, a bit of plan K and some of plan uh, T even maybe. You're going to have to keep adapting and uh, and your adaptability uh, is going to make an expedition a more of a success and b uh, more enjoyable. Yeah, it's vital to be adaptable, isn't it? I mean, I remember seeing images on Instagram of your trip because I was following you quite closely, and but there was so much happening over those three months and over those three thousand kilometers. What uh, what stories stood out for you of the Ganges? Uh, so one time I was just pulled in on the the banks of the the river i was communicating we had a support vehicle for the the vast vast majority of the trip that we would meet up with uh at the overnight camps uh, as well as carrying our own uh gear to overnight we, we we chose normally to meet up with this vehicle and i'm sat there on the paddleboard and just beside my left knee the snake sticks its head up out of the ganges and it looks across the paddleboard and then it definitely looks up and looks me in the eye and then you're like, okay, fight or flight. Okay, well, I can't flee anywhere. I can't, I can't run away. I'm on a paddleboard. My chances of being able to fight this thing, I've got a uh, long paddle in my hand, but the chances of being able to swing that round and, and, and knock back this potential attacker, uh, I didn't think would work. And that's when I, 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 I froze. That was really my only option. I froze, rooted to the spot as this snake stared at me and my pulse rate went through the roof and luckily the snake decided I wasn't worth uh, bothering about. And then it swam down beside the paddleboard right beside me and, and carried on its journey along the bank. Um, and I was not expecting to see a snake there. And I don't know what species of snake it was for sure. But uh, uh, when you come up close and very personal with a snake like that, it's uh, definitely a, 
disconcerting. I was well beyond my comfort zone that that more, that afternoon. Disconcerting is quite a good word, yeah, because there's some, quite a few poisonous snakes in India, aren't there? I mean, they've always you always see those people piping out the cobras, which are very highly venomous. Yeah, um, so it was uh, unpleasant. Um, there are three different species of crocodile as well on the Ganges. Luckily, um, out of the three, only two of them are interested in eating humans. Um, out oh, of the three, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they are also the rarest, and uh, we saw evidence of crocodiles, but we didn't have any. Uh, they they probably saw us, but uh, we didn't uh, have any up close and personal moments with uh, the crocodiles um, and uh, the mugger, the salt. Uh, uh, or the Gary or crocodile that live there. So apart from crocodiles, snakes, crew issues and dead bodies, what other things did you have to contend with? I mean, it must have been a beautiful trip at times as well, I'm sure. So we got to see the India that is so far uh, from Goa, where people go for their uh, their gap years or their equivalents, uh, and, and so far from the Taj Mahal, uh, which sits on, on the banks of one of the tributaries. It's we saw rural India and we saw how people lived there. Um, and each night when we arrived in camp, uh, well, we arrived to set up camp, um, there would be a, a large number of men and boys from the local villages would come and sit and watch everything you do. They've never seen a white person uh, come to, to, to the, their village before. And, and they sit and watch you put the tent up, which is fascinating for them. And then you decide you need to go and wash by a, a, a pump. Uh, so they sit and watch you uh, and find it quite funny to stare at you having a wash by the pump. And um, the the loss of uh, any real privacy was um, certainly testing at times. Uh, but um, what was amazing was we worked with Water Aid, uh, a charity that do a huge amount of work in India and other parts of the developing world. And they are working to get uh, better access to sanitation, uh, to toilets and to, to fresh uh, water that's drinkable. Uh, something that we, we take for granted. I mean, just uh, imagine being out, uh, going in for a day without an access to a toilet. Uh, imagine going for your entire life without access to a flush toilet um and it eliminates and, so many diseases doesn't it water and, and yeah that is a problem with the uh open defecating in the forest and also the banks of the ganges uh that then means there is a, a lot more uh viruses that, that that are transmitted um because of the lack of, of good sanitation sadly uh, but they're doing a lot of work with both uh, uh villages and also with poor areas of cities that to it, uh, improve the access to a toilet that doesn't transmit uh, such diseases. I mean, that was an incredible trip that obviously took you three months. Why do you think that it's really important for people to go out and do sub-adventures? So I think that uh, when you travel by, by sub um, and it's an expedition that you've arranged yourself or, or has done uh, through a, a small company, uh, doing an adventure like that, you can see the world in such a different way. Uh, like when you're paddleboarding along that coast of the Algarve, you get to look inside those caves and go into those caves that some people go to on motorboats, but you can get into them by your own steam and you get to enjoy those caves so, so much more. And like I, I, I learned a lot more about uh, Ireland, even though, yeah, I'm half Irish and 
I've been to Ireland many times to travel along at that pace and to soak up the environment and then wild camp on the bank you get to engage with the landscape far more and you definitely appreciate it i totally agree with you can't think of anything more because after our trip across the algarve i did another one up in the no further north of portugal and we, we went down the desire river for nine days and ended up in lisbon which is fantastic and you're right you're just so much more connected with the landscape uh, when you stand up paddling and camping it's it's, it's absolutely vital but i think a lot of people find it a bit overwhelming to get out and, and go and actually, uh, you know, go out and, and spend a night outdoors. So if you could create a handbook entitled How to Adventure with SUP, what did, would the contents page look like? Uh, well, I would look at uh, the, the kind of where, uh, the what, the how, the who, and the why. Uh, I know that's a bit uh, cliched maybe, but where are you going to travel? Uh, and is that river is that river appropriate to, to journey down or is that lake uh, to paddle across? Um, what in terms of what gear have you got have you got an appropriate paddleboard have you got backup gear if your paddleboard paddle snaps uh halfway across that lake what are you going to do right then uh and then uh in addition to that the, the other sort of stuff the supplies consumables that you take with you uh the who who are you doing it with uh is the rest of the team similarly experienced to you uh are they ready for such an adventure um and are they reliable folk um how are you going to do it how are you going to get there uh how are you what's your uh plan b and plan c and the others uh, in terms of if the wind was against you because uh, i remember on the algarve trip we had a bit of a problem didn't we nick with the wind yes we did we had a bit of a headwind to us. We had to adapt and uh go with plan t <laughs> yeah we, we went with plan t and plan t was to uh, uh call someone's amazing wife and uh, she then took us uh, to the other end <laughs> um which meant that when we we paddled downwind from the coast of Spain, uh, and that that plan T uh, kept us the three of us sane. I think. Oh yeah, it was so much more enjoyable paddling downwind than upwind. Wow, <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, you're right. I mean, when you're talking about the team, I think uh, Ronald Fiennes wrote wrote a book, Mad. What's it, what is Ronald Fiennes' book called? Mad, Bad, and Angry to Know, or something? Or Mad, Bad, and Yes, uh, got that one. Yeah, Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know. That's the book. Yeah. And he was saying in that book that um, how to choose a team, and it's so vital. And eventually, I think he just decided to go on his own because he couldn't actually get on with anybody in the Antarctic. Yep, I've, I've got that book here in my hand, the Solo South uh, section. And it is uh, important uh, who, who you work with, how, how you found them. And uh, I really like the idea of doing a little training mission uh, like we did on the Shannon, uh, so you can learn more about the team before you're on the other side of the world with, with someone. Um, and, and, and following on from the, the mad, bad and dangerous to know, I think uh, it's very important looking at the risks of the, the journey, uh, of the adventure. And I mean, you could almost write a book just about that. And the key is not to be risk averse, but it's to be risk aware. And I think uh, many younger people are wrapped up in cotton wool and, and grow up a long way from any risk um, and I think if you consider that risk fully, if you've been, uh, if you're a competent paddleboard uh, and you have those uh, backup safety measures in place, uh, then uh, adventures can be done in a, in a safer manner. I think that's a great term to use, being risk averse or risk aware, not risk averse. I think that's great because you're right. So many people are wrapped up in cotton wool and probably wouldn't even think about starting to do something like that. And if it wasn't for groups like um, Say Yes More, and um, 
project awesome. I don't think anybody would go out on these adventures anymore. It's, it's fantastic. It really is a great movement. Are you still deeply involved in those? Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm still uh, involved with them. You can, uh, uh, Project Awesome is a free fitness group uh, in, in various locations across uh, the UK, London, Liverpool, Edinburgh, Bristol. But right now, it's, uh, we're not meeting up in person because there's a little thing called coronavirus happening. So you can tune in uh, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday mornings to the, the London um, fitness uh, sessions. Uh, and it's that sense of community that's helped uh, a lot of us, A, keep fit, and B, um, that kind of camaraderie, as in kind of getting it through together um, with, a, with a coffee afterwards. Most of us just go along for the coffee, I think, rather than actually keeping fit. And then the Yes Tribe, or, or Say Yes More, uh, is, is, is far more global. And uh, there are uh, sub-communities in lots of locations across Europe and around the world. Um, there's a lot of us in places like New Zealand uh, on the west coast of the Americas uh, and uh, then in southeast England, up in Scotland, uh, in Ireland, uh, there's a group in Denmark. So you can check them out. And they are about saying yes uh, more, like their name suggests. And they do some great inspiring sessions called Yes Stories about once a month. They're happening uh, uh, just uh, virtually at the moment, of course. Uh, so you can tune into those wherever you are in the world. And we also, when there's not a, a, a pandemic, uh, we, we meet up and, and wild camp and do things like uh, Yesterville uh, and share ideas and build build teams for future ones. That's such a cool name, Yesterville. I think it's fantastic. Who came up with that? Was it you or Dave? Uh, no, it was definitely Dave Cornthwaite. Um, and uh, that, uh, as you can imagine, didn't happen this year. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about uh that next year it's uh, guaranteed to sell out because i think uh, many people have said it's their most inspiring weekend they've had of uh, of the last five years of their life i think it's such a wonderful initiative are there any um similar kind of uh, organizations in america or is it other like you said i mean there were some sub um, sub organizations of say yes more in in california but are there any other similar organizations in the u.s that you that you're aware of uh, i I'm not uh, in, I'm afraid I'm not in touch with the kind of that side, uh, those communities in California. Um, but um, at so many things now are, are, uh, are having to happen online uh, that uh, people can find support. Uh, someone even had a catastrophic bike problem when they were cycling through Cambodia and they they, ha they were lucky enough to have signal and they messaged the community and said, uh, how, can, how can I fix this? And, Within half an hour, there were uh, several people, including qualified bike mechanics, uh, who were helping uh, this uh, person in distress uh, solve the problem uh, in the middle of Cambodia. That's brilliant. And obviously, every year, when in normal times, people get together at the Adventure Travel Show in London, which I've been to many times, and uh, it's fantastic to see some of some many of say yes more members taking the stage and, and doing speeches all about their adventures around the world. So. That's exciting, but can you list any other small, large, exciting, or otherwise interesting sub-adventures taking place right now, or are they all being curtailed due to the pandemic? Uh, so, right, the, uh, this year I uh, haven't been able to travel overseas for, for work or for uh, personal expeditions as much as I'd like, obviously, uh, but um, I am heading off to paddle down the River Stour on the Essex-Suffolk border and do the, the whole uh, navigable section of that. Uh, I'm also looking to cross the Southwest Peninsula in, in England as well, 
from uh, the north Devon Cornwall coast to the south coast and follow the border uh, of that um, all the way across. The first day we do by foot and then three days paddling down the River Tamar. And I, I grew up at the, the mouth of that. Uh, so it would be getting to know your own landscape, having right now when there's not um, such severe lockdown, it's about uh, celebrating the stuff you can do within uh, not far of, uh, from your own home. And I think you can still go on great adventures. You can still wild camp, uh, not always legally, but you could usually uh, disappear into a, a forest uh, late at night and leave early enough in the morning and um, leave no trace. As long as you leave no trace, then it's relatively legal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's not going to be fairly, uh, you're not going to be traceable. And hopefully, I mean, given the government's track and trace system in the UK, um, they uh, they wouldn't be able to find you anyway. But um, I think people <laughs> should make the most that while we've got uh, some freedom right now, we can't easily travel overseas uh, and do amazing adventures on the other side of the world uh, we can still celebrate what we've got within an hour or two of, of where we live and, and explore those waterways explore that coastline explore those caves and um, and learn more about that whilst also improving your own paddleboarding skills so the river tay are you going to go and walk the first day of your expedition there or your trip there with um with your paddleboards on your back and then inflate them and then paddle the rest of the way no i mean some people do ask are you going to do it with the paddleboard on your back but to me i'm not proving that you can do it with a paddleboard the whole way uh i don't see the point in hiking with a paddleboard it's um 35 kilometers which is quite a distance to go with a, an uncomfortable paddleboard on your back uh so we're going to go we're going to park up a vehicle near where we can put onto the water and uh, with the paddleboards in the back of that and then just hike up from the north coast um, and uh, then drop off our hiking gear and jump onto the river. The first bit of the river, uh, as you might be able to imagine, it's that narrow, meandering river. Sometimes there's a tree across the whole river and you have to portage around the tree. And I'm um, really looking forward to, to that. Uh, that's coming up next week. Mm, sounds exciting. I must uh, follow your Instagram with gusto. But you know, Spike, you're living an amazing life. I mean, it just looks like an incredibly adventurous, exciting life. And every time I jump onto Facebook and Instagram and, and see what you're doing, it just surprises me even more. So <laughs> where can everybody else follow you online? Uh, so you can track me down uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm Spike Reed. And that's Reed, R-E-I-D. Uh, and also, uh, I am SpikeReed.com. That's S-P-I-K-E-R-E-I-D.com. Excellent. Well, Spike, thanks so much. It was really wonderful to catch up with you again. And uh, all the best for your trip down the River Tay and many other adventures to come. Thank you very much. Great talking to you, Nick. And uh, hope to see you in person before too long. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on the water.